Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. With me today is my good friend, Anne Green. Hello. And, hello, Anne Green. <laughs> Anne Salaski Green, as I knew you way back in the day. And mm-hmm. I've had Anne on, I, I might be like eight times. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Lucky me. Yeah. yeah I've interviewed you. You've inter- me, interviewed me twice. Yep. We did our thing on just the funny stuff. And then you came on the 100th episode. It's just I'll just have you every month because it's super fun because I don't, I know that I've known you for a million years, mm-hmm. like 40, 40 years. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, we can still not ever run out of things to talk about. It's so true. <laughs> Even if it's not logical or cohesive, we still can keep talking. So I'm not worried that I'm ever going to run out of things to talk about, but we have a big <laughs> thing to talk about now. Yeah. And it's, it does connect with bluebells because I just had my show a night in Paris on Friday and you were a part of that, mm-hmm. which means a lot to me, but there's something when you're in that high for a while and you want to talk about something. And like, I don't know if Steve wants to hear it anymore. Augie doesn't seem to care. I live by myself. <laughs> and so I have all these things I'm processing and all this energy and excitement. And so it feels really important. Like sometimes after a show or something that you work towards to have that postmortem, like we, I want to process this. Yeah. And you were, you were also like in this super fun high. Cause if I was high and you're like, yeah, it wasn't that great. I would have been like, okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> I was definitely on a high. Yes. Amazing. So I, I want to share a little bit what it is because I yep. have hinted for like the last, well, two years, I've had the website almost two years, not the website, the podcast, but we were in the start of rehearsals before COVID and then it never got on off the ground. A night in Paris is a Parisian cabaret. We take a tour through Paris and it could be the twenties. It could be the sixties. It doesn't necessarily have to be all in one night. Um, and this vision has just grown. And then it finally happened. And like right now I look at my house, I've got sequins embedded <laughs> in the carpet. I've got feathers in weird places. And now I'm like, the show's over. But there's still the residual reminder. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not going to vacuum because I want to just keep all the sparkles. But <laughs> we'll vacuum eventually, maybe one day. One day I'll do that. Okay. Yeah, but I'm still kind of in that afterglow of not just performing, but but the the whole process was really yes. important in so many ways. I think, and to both of us. Yes, I mean it was a long time coming. I, mean, I think we were. How many rehearsals did we have under our belt? Like two, two. Only two, because then we went into the studio when we thought this, you know three weeks were in lockdown. So we tried yeah. to do it on zoom and then some of the dancers like, I can't do this. Yeah. And I think I was recording some of this. I was trying to do the can can in my four foot square of my living room. Right. And then we said, let's just wait. And then it, it just had to go away and, and say one day later. it'll come back. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, maybe this year, maybe this year. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And it was, it's so weird. Cause it felt like it was so hard to wait. And at the same time, it feels like these two years, I think this is probably for everybody where time is just really kind of hard to comprehend over the past couple of years. But it also felt like the two years were like, poof, gone like that, like that. And now here we are. And we're, you know, you're ha- we're having auditions again, some returning dancers, some new dancers, you know, we got the, that excitement again. And, and then I think that's when, wasn't that around when some of the um, new strains were coming out? And yeah. was like, no, no, like we're not, no more, please. And, uh, and we made it through, we made it through with our rehearsals and we're able to, you know, actually put that show up 
two days ago and man, what a journey. I mean, the rehearsals themselves and, um, just the excitement of the dancers who had been sidelined for, you know, two years and you to have your vision actually come to life. Was it, was it different? Was the, the, what ultimately went on Friday night, was that different than what you kind of envisioned two years ago? It is. I'm, I'm looking at my notes because I was writing the same notebook and I was, some things carried through, some things changed. And a big part of that was doing the podcast mm. of all these interviews and really wanting to have that integrity of the showgirl. Like we were teaching those mm. kind of workshops, but hearing each story and I'm looking at all these photos because every time I release an episode, I look at their yes. photos, yes. I see videos. I've had teachers from Paris that were teaching a, cl- a Zoom thing that I did three times. It was called Heels from Paris. So I had people from the lead on the Moulin Rouge. So I think it was just watching that in action. My vision got bigger because I know mm. I don't have the budget of any of those shows. So it had to be within a budget. Like we talk about the things we'd love to have, but right now right. I only went under a little bit for this show, but that's like the investment for the next one. Yeah. But I think my expectations got higher too of what I wanted from the dancers and myself. And I let a couple pieces like, I couldn't figure out where to put him. I let him go. And then all of a sudden things came together different. Like, I think I started to see the whole picture bigger. Hmm. Yeah. And I think it's that waiting also changes us of like things that we take for granted. Like, you know, this is amazing. We're actually going to get on the stage. So let's, let's really do it right. I mean, we weren't even sure with the mask mandate in our area, if the performers would have masks on or not, like we rehearsed with masks the entire time hoping that when they took the masks off, if we got to, they had mouths, like who knew? We didn't know if they had lips and teeth. We didn't know what was happening underneath the mask. We, maybe, we had to draw lips on on the outside of the mask. We didn't know what we were going to have to do. But um, like that was another part of it where, you know, it's amazing for performance. You really do need the entire face, don't you? To, to, to make that to make that really happen. They would have killed it with just, you know, having their masks on, obviously. But, you know, just to have that full face, it just was so exciting to see. And I think the audience was really hungry for that as well, to, to be back in a, a live performance. And I have to say, you know, the quality of the show was insane. Your vision was so beautiful. It was a great journey throughout Paris and the different neighborhoods and the different fields and the different, you know, the time periods, et cetera. The, um, your choreography, this was not an easy show choreographically. Like this was not an easy dance show. They're not just, they're not, fo- you can't phone it in. You cannot phone Mm-mm. the show, to, show in. So like these dancers worked really, really hard and looked incredible. And boy, did it come together. So, you know, it, it was challenging choreography. They were dancing and your costume choices were so, some of it was just so next level, right? And some of it was very simple but just still spot on for the number. And of course, you know, the can-can, just the, the, the skirts themselves and how colorful they were. They brought so much to the number. That was like, what was it? Six and a half minutes, that number? Yeah, like, that was were, counting the Lady Marmalade at the beginning, but that, sorry, Augie, sorry. Every, every can-can too. Yeah. <laughs> and then the showgirl number. I mean, just the sparkles, the beauty of the costumes. You could tell that the girls all felt beautiful in those costumes and boy did they bring it and oh my gosh it was a total crowd pleaser the audience were they were just um they couldn't believe it like 
first show, those folks didn't want to leave. They wanted to stay and talk about the show. The audience was on such a high. And I shared with this, you this before, but like m- a lot of my friends were non-dancers. They were civilians coming to the show and they just, they just were losing their minds. They just thought they loved every minute of it. And that's so special. And of course, you know, the singer, Lisa, her voice was incredible. Her, and she really helped in that accordion player, Dwight, you know, it just was a really, really cool experience. And that's all you, my friend, like that vision and finding the right people and, and the right costumes. And I could just go on and on, but I'll, I'll try to stop. It was just so special and it really made an impact. And that's what you were trying to do with the show. You're trying to bring that Parisian showgirl. There's nothing like this in Seattle that showgirl, true showgirl, not burlesque. There's, you know, the burlesque is beautiful, but Seattle has burlesque, but really like that beautiful, you know, bluebell showgirl feel. And wow, did it, it really made a splash. I appreciate that so much. Augie normally does one bark and he's done. Who's he barking at? I don't know. It's probably a leaf, but (laughs) (laughs) he, this, yeah, he's going on longer than normal. He's probably jealous. Um, I want to talk about the costumes too, because of doing the podcast, like I've interviewed people. So I interviewed Miston Get, mm-hmm. who was a choreographer for Greg Thompson when you worked uh, with her. Yep. And I've seen her pictures of costumes in the showgirl boot camp. So when I was reaching out because I have a mishmash of costumes, as you know, when we've done the showgirl workshops, like we have yeah. these two match, these, we did the showgirl piece for my show and I've got like Mardi Gras beads. Cause like I have a budget of $7. Right. And so nothing matched. And, and so I go, I want to do this upright so that it's not a mishmash because I go, if we want to do more of these, we kind of have to, like you said, do what Seattle doesn't do, go yeah. next level. And I went down with Cindy Heidelberg yeah. who's in the show and I go, we have to fit, take only what fits in a suitcase and that we can afford. And that doesn't break because it was cheaper to fly down to Vegas. She had companion miles and then bring stuff back. Augie. So sorry. <laughs> He's like, but I'm doing my job. Um, yeah. And it was cheaper to do that. And we also had fun. We saw a couple of shows and it was yeah. fun to see Miston get, bring the costumes out because she had a rack of things to choose from. Like, okay, that will break. There's not enough of those. I've got eight girls. Oh, but I have these headpieces back home that can match with this. Mm. And then she goes, Oh, here's some more. So then she'd open a closet and there'd be more costumes. Oh and God. then these like cupboards she'd pull out and there was like rhinestone bras and feathers and sequins. Oh. And then she goes, Oh, let's go to my garage next level so we had so many things to choose from but i really had to pick uh because she didn't have eight sets of anything so like i had those two giant head pieces for showgirls that um could match and so i started to get creative she only had five of those drape things and so she gave me extra fabric so it was piecemealed in a way that looked more cohesive as opposed to like well there's a common thread of gold sequins in these and that's kind of it yeah no it was very cohesive and and beautiful and the way it was lit too it just the you know it was so sparkly and it just made an impact it was just a really bright part of the show it was absolutely it was just stunning it was a great way to close the show okay and then century ballroom because i had this vision that doesn't fit high school auditoriums because my my studio always does short crest all the shows are there so you come in and you you know in your jeans and you sit down you expect a certain thing so I, i wanted when you walked in that you knew something was different. And the, and I've lived in Seattle. I'd never been in the ballroom. And I went for, took a tango class and was like, oh, this is it. This, oh my gosh. And I could not yeah. 
I, and that was before the show had even got started. I know that this is where it needed to be, at least for the first one, because it was so yeah. beautiful. It's an ancient, I mean, it's Oddfellows Hall, beautiful archway. I mean, we didn't have dressing room. We had a pipe and drape that Christina's husband built for us. And, you know, they're changing off behind a yeah. partition because there was no backstage space. There's only one exit we could do. So we had, had to like kind of re-choreograph some things. But it was still worth it because that place was so beautiful and it felt fancy and people were having oh, yeah. their drinks before the show, which felt more like a cabaret than a high school yeah. theater. But yeah, that tabletop for part of it, seating down on the floor. It has, you know, two chandeliers, the red, that rich red drapery inside with the gold. And, you know, it just was it feels different. It feels like you, you you're going someplace for sure. Yeah. I have to ask you because you. This will even the why you were this meant something to you because you were in corporate world working your butt off. Like, I know, like, I've been concerned, like, and you because, like, you're working so hard, and yeah. it's hard to live in that world and remember your creative side or that that dancer side when you are so immersed in that. Yeah, so you would ask me, like, if you could help because I just didn't know what your capacity was, right? And I'm like, oh my gosh, absolutely. Because, for one thing, I have a big vision that I vomit onto the dancers and then go, okay, now I got to fix it. But in the meantime, you're like, what about this? But you're so gracious. You weren't like, you know, like when you get into momentum and people are asking questions, like, you know, I'll get to that. You were so gracious, but also you were giving them personal, um, not advice, critique, not critique, constructive. What's the word? I can't think of words right now. Corrections. No. Okay. No, it's, <laughs> it's a hard one. No, it's, but it was so good because I know that you're so detailed because you were Rockette. You did Will Rogers Follies. Yeah. Those things matter because a lot of times there's just not enough, you know, they, they, they're good dancers, but if you don't give them detail, it's not going to look clean. Mm -hmm. So that part was wonderful. And also just your support has been huge and your excitement kind of kept me going because sometimes like, I don't know, is this good? It feels good to me, but I don't know if this is working. And then Jill, who's danced with Westlake forever, is like, I want to be part of it. And I said, I don't have a budget. She goes, that's okay. I just want to be part of it. And so yep. she would help me pack up costumes. So it kind of brought old friends together in something that was exciting, but both of your enthusiasm, like for the show and for the dancers, for the cast, for everything was magical. It really yeah, it made this so feel fun. more of a team thing instead of like, it's all on me. Yeah, no, I mean, it, I'm definitely going to miss seeing everybody each weekend and and yes the cast for sure but you and jill right because we do have so much history and just you know i'm like oh it's sunday afternoon i'm gonna go i'm gonna go see them we get to laugh and play and you know and watch the show come together but um yeah it was an honor to be a part of it it is i, I love that part of, i love a clean show i just love a clean show and um the, if i had a, an opportunity to you know do a little bit of that cleaning um i'm all for it because uh I just love it. I just love a clean show. And it was hilarious because I said to somebody, I can't remember who it was, but I was saying, oh, I'm cleaning the show. You know, I'm part of cleaning the show, whatever I said. I don't remember. But they thought I meant I was sweeping the, the stage at the end. I'm like, no, I'm not cleaning up after the show. But, uh, but no, yeah, this was so meaningful. And you're right. You know, I'm, you know, with my job and, you know, my career and, you know, my injury and my um, career ended with an injury. Right. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't my choice. I wasn't you know, wasn't ready to move on. It was, it was none of that. And I just spent years just like really just kind of spinning, just trying to figure out what my role is in the real world, uh, whatever that means. So yeah, coming back to this in this way, it was such a great, I just need, I needed it. I knew I needed it. And then I, I needed it even more than I knew. <laughs> so being in the element, being with those dancers, being a part of, you know, the audition process, the rehearsal process, 
the tech, all the stuff, it just felt so good. And it, so many memories, you know, flooded back for me because, uh, you know, I just loved, I loved every aspect of my career. You know, some people are like, oh, I, I hate auditioning, but I love the show or whatever. I loved all of it. I love as a dancer, I loved all parts of it. I loved it all. So it was really fun to be a part of it. And just to have that energy, that dancer energy. And again, I think it was heightened because we we're coming out of COVID your energy, you know, getting your vision finally onto people. Um, we had incredible dancers in this show. They're, they're not only just good dancers, but they are, they were excellent performers. They're smart dancers. And, you know, there wasn't an ego, you know, if they got a note, they just went and applied it, you know, and like, and they applied notes, you know, some, let's be honest, sometimes in shows, that doesn't get done. You can, you might be telling the person the same note over and over and over and over and over and you, you don't see it happen. And, you know, these dancers were really, they were really interested in putting on a really good show and you could feel that. Right. So it was just so fun. And of course they're so much younger than me. So to have that young energy, you know, I, we don't have kids, so I'm not around a lot of that young energy. So it was just so fun to be a part of it. And wow. It just, my own personal, you know, performance memories were just flooding back like mad and it was really, really special. It was so fun. And I remember the audition because I made him do a lot of things because yep. this, there was so much diverse style in this. So cause somebody could look really good in the, like the twenties jazz thing, yep. but the showgirl they struggled. Or then I gave a waltz, like a ballet waltz. And that cut about half of the people yep. auditioning because the show starts with this waltz with umbrellas. You can't fake ballet technique. Um, and yep. then, but when we did the showgirl across the floor and then you pulled out one of your pictures of you in Jubilee with that giant is that, is that Bob Mackie or Pete Menifee? Those are Bob Mackie. I think those are Bob Mackie. Yeah. Those phenomenal. You're showing this picture and I'm watching them go, what? I go, oh my gosh, these, these girls are legit. So I think it was nice to know, like, that we know what these shows were, that we are part yeah. of it. I mean, I, I'd be really sad if someone tried to do a, like a showgirl show that had never been in a show. I'm like, right. no, you can't do that. Right. But I, I felt like it was important to us to have the integrity and I, you know, say, listen to the podcast if you can, because mm -hmm. there's so much about what Miss Bluebell represents as far as mm -hmm. class, dignity, poise, glamour. It's not, and that's when I try to explain the show. People are like, oh, cabaret. I'm like, yeah, because that word is even I know. misconstrued. And if you say burlesque, it's not burlesque. No, nope. it's not a review. And then people don't even know what a review show is or a floor show. So it just felt like we have to do this and get video and photos, which I'm paying. So I wanted to have professional yeah. quality to say, this is what it is. Yeah. So now you don't have to go, Oh, a showgirl, like the strippers across the street. I'm right. Like, no, no, it's not, that. <laughs> not even, not even plus. Well, that was the other, that was the other fun thing for me too, is because you did have very unique styles from number to number. Right. And so, you know, again, as a, as a, past performer, I'm looking at this going, oh my gosh, I would love to be in this show because it's not just a single, it's not like a single theme through the whole, you know, dance thing through the whole show. You know, you, you did have that beautiful, more balletic waltz in the opener that went into like a jazz that went into that tang. Like it was just so cool. And, and that was part of what um, the dancers had to capture is the flavor of each section. And that, I mean, they had to be very, you know, um, multi something, uh, multi something. I don't know what the other word is. Not <laughs> Words notes. are dumb. We already, we already know that. <laughs> I'm still on my high from the show. I can't think straight. But whatever <laughs> it is, they needed to have it. They needed to be able to be chameleons and do multiple styles to really capture the flavor of each section. So it didn't look like the same thing. And and they and they did they did. 
And it was also like how you um, position the numbers in the show to really kind of amplify that. So if there was something similar-ish, it happened in a different part of the show. So it didn't look like it went into something that was similar, right? And so like doing the showgirl finale coming out of Can-Can, I mean, talk about two different styles. It was fabulous. And it was so impactful. I know that, you know, all Bluebells listening to this know knows this impact, but in the showgirl number at the end, the girls all turn downstage in a single line and just walk forward. They just walk in their headdresses, in their sparkles, in their whole glamorous, glorious selves. And it it makes just the audience is like, because oh, it's just it's just a line of women coming at you looking gorgeous. And it's probably one of my favorite parts of the show. That's where people applauded because it's like you don't, yeah. you know, like because they, they oh. come out and everybody's like, oh, different costume. They start walking and everybody goes, oh, oh, like this is the power of that poise and beauty. And they yeah. and I think it was great. We didn't have to tell them not to do stank face or mean face or because nope. I was teaching showgirl workshops before this, and three or four of those girls took that. And we were like coming up with adjectives. I showed a bunch of pictures of people I've had on, on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I go, tell me some adjectives you see. Cause it's not like sexy or like bitchy. No. And they were using unapologetic goddess. Mm. Um, and I said, look for joy because there's some of my favorite yeah. pictures is the joy. I go, you're, it's not just cause you're wearing these beautiful costumes and then the costumes aren't making you pretty. It's what's in there. And Pete Menefee yeah. has said that it's enhancing what's in there that just maybe needed invitation. Yeah. And so I loved that because I, I feel like sometimes I have to go backwards. They'll they'll kind of get it. And then they put the costumes and they do mean face. Like, yeah. I'm so pretty. You must hate me. Yeah. Um, and I feel like we didn't have to work backwards. They they yeah. got it right off the bat. And that because like we said, the mask, I, we were joking. We don't mean this, but we were saying the day of the show is the first time we see their face. What if yeah. we go, hey, put those masks back on. Yeah. We were, <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, but we, we had to joking, trust that they, we had, we had to trust because some of those yeah, girls, that they're performing. Yeah. I have never seen, I've known them for two years only with a mask. Yeah. And some of them just blew me away. I'm like that performed more than you could yes. ever see. Cause we kept saying, you have to use your eyes. What if you don't get to use your mouth? That's right. And some, it didn't come across and then some a little bit more, but when they took it off the, the fear that it would be gone was like, it, it was more. Yeah. Like there was yeah, more they, play. Yeah. I'm thinking of like, I'm bringing up Callan, like, and don't tell mama, like she's like the whole flirtatious face. Oh, like, yeah. What your mouth can add because performance is not a given if you're a good dancer. That's and right. it was kind of a risk because we were trying to watch the video of the audition. Like I can kind of see if she's performing. I can't quite tell, but there's a it difference was a, between a classroom dancer and a performer. There just is. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with being a classroom dancer you know because you, you just look really good and you're dancing for yourself and you you know when you do your piece you're looking at yourself in the mirror and you're crushing it and you've got great technique and you're a good dancer but you know that doesn't translate to the stage very well you know and then I how many times did I say it and they did it but I'm like you have to dance for each other like now it's now you dance for each other now you're looking you know, you know your sight lines you're looking at your your fellow people like your periphery and just you're dancing for each other and that collective energy of that you know that number is what gets sent out you know, into the audience. And, you know, I felt like they really did it. They really, but we, again, to your point, we didn't know, we didn't know what was going to happen because we couldn't see their faces. And (laughs) when you're learning, they they had a very um, ambitious rehearsal schedule. They had to get a lot of content quickly. And so there was a lot of, you know, you have to kind of dance for yourself in a rehearsal where you're just trying to, you know, work through what you're learning. So for sure. Um, But no, man, they, they, they did it really, really well. And it it was, it was so, um, I keep using the word impact, but it's true. It was so impactful because it just made that difference, you know, when come show day. 
I have like four ways I want to go. I do want to talk about what the, the format of the show was so people can hear it. Sure. Like people are seated and because there's no wings, the first thing is one dancer with an umbrella just looks like she came in off the street to right. sit down. She literally and came through their front doors. Yeah. And it was basically, this is Paris in the daytime because some of my favorite art pieces of Paris is the Eiffel Tower with a couple. And there's, it's always a red umbrella. Yeah. And we live in Seattle where there's a lot of rain. It's not romantic when it rains here. No. I don't want to kiss somebody. Nobody and no one uses like, sorry, it rains here more probably. And no one, you're a dummy if you do an umbrella here. You're obviously it just kind of, Yeah, because <laughs> it drizzles. But I wanted that feel of romantic because I go, I could start with a showgirl, but somehow I just want to start in the daytime yep. where it's romance. And then the coats, you know, this rain goes away. And then there's like, like that style of jazz, which I love that I never get to do. And not, yeah. and that was a big challenge for this yeah. cast was this particular old style of jazz. Cause it's like kind of bluesy. And then, then it goes into a tango and then that scene is done. And then we had the accordion player who was amazing. So you're kind of oh. setting. So it's supposed to be like, you're kind of going from daytime into nighttime. And then we just back, we go travel in time. It made me think of midnight in Paris where he's all of a sudden back in the twenties with all these artists that we hear about, but like you go into Parisian cabaret and we had don't tell mama with Lisa singing it live. So they're on the stage. It looks like you're in a little tiny cabaret. Yeah. And then we did, I had to do Josephine Baker because she's such an iconic part of Parisian. Oh, yeah. Even though she's American, she's definitely no way better known for what she did in Paris. Touch me tomatoes. Some people did not understand the innuendo with trays of tomatoes <laughs> in front of her boobs, but that's okay. And then it went into the roaring twenties, which was high energy and, and even wigs. Like, I don't know if wigs are going to work with costume changes and they yeah. pulled it off. They did. And that was high energy. And then we leave the twenties and then we're kind of in an artist loft. And that was with the painter and the ballerina and he's painting her picture and, and there's no mouth because she can't smile. Mm. And so it's just, a, it just, I love that piece. I brought it back from before and the two of them together and we'll talk, we lost Annie with an injury. So we yes. had understudies. Oh. So we can talk about the importance of understudies. Cause you know what that's like, yeah. <laughs> have to learn it. And then like, now you're in, but you haven't got to practice, but there was something really sweet. And at the very end, he paints a mouth, a smile on her. And then she smiles in her life. Yeah. That one just meant, I wanted that kind of sentiment and not all big numbers. So a moment yeah. to, for the audience to go, ah, and then I think we went into, cause this is another part of Paris. Now we're going more towards the Paris opera. And that's when Lisa, which oh I gosh. only heard her with all her isolation cabarets online, when she rehearsed and her voice without a mic, like she was, she was an opera singer. Like she's done that in musical theater. So she didn't need a mic. She's just, she's something bohem that she was just bringing this like elegant kind of quirky piece. So that kind of takes you a different part. And then Cindy with the fans, which I love setting that yeah. on her beautiful ballet PMB trained. She was a goddess in that. Absolutely a goddess. And she was mainly sparkly naked. Like we just yep. covered and she owned it. And I'm so proud of her because I think that that's something of what you think the body is and that these shows show the female body in such a beautiful way. And so she proudly with her beautiful technique mm. to see the body instead of putting a dress or anything that kind of brought that part of Paris. And then we go back to the West bank and we're in the, um, beatnik area like a, I, I had to research a lot about beatniks in paris in the 60s mm -hmm. and i told you this idea for song and you're like okay i have to see this to trust you because the song is tell ridiculous him how you sold it to me tell him what you said to me what did i tell you face farts it's a face fart face fart noises. Oh, <laughs> this song is like it's camille and it's it's amazing oh, first of all it's so it's the earworm it's the song that i have stuck in my head day after day. Do, so do, not the do, part, do, part. Yeah, that part. Yeah. 
And I saw it on Saturday Night Live where they're they're Parisian like in a diner and this song comes on and they'll be like really snobby and then they break in this weird spazzy movement. Oh, it was so and it was good. because they'd already learned like all the big dance numbers. So they're I'm like, we only have three more to learn. And they're like, holy oh. crap, like there's so much more. I'm like, this one is just there was hardly any choreography, but it's it's very cliche. They're all smoking, they've got berets, they've got black and white striped shirts. we we had UJ as a mime oh, and so it was good. for them I think a chance to just breathe and have fun and people that I've seen is very serious we're doing moves that I was like dying because they they can't take themselves serious and then it's just it was very very cliche but we had Lisa read a song and and read a poem in French while the bongos played it was just oh. cliche cliche but when they break out you don't know if you're supposed to laugh or not because it's like oh but they're French and they're very proper and then they come back to being it was just cigarette choreography. And then it turned into a French aposh, which I learned more about because of Miston Get. Mm. I started researching about this very violent dance in the 1800s, but it was the prostitute pimps and gangs on the street mm. where they throw the woman. It's mainly the woman getting thrown around. And then, I mean, she does hurt the man, but I'm like, I don't want to show domestic violence. <laughs> Maybe you don't want right. to, but I go, I kind of where it was more equal, more of that equal tension tension and rehearsing that with them and trying some of these lifts oh, and stuff and they so went good. for it and they got the character because oh. it's this love hate like who's in power and there's moments where she kind of likes it it's like it, it was just like for me a dream to get to do something like that yeah and then we go to the moulin rouge and we had the gals who were doing lady marmalade with their bustiers mm-hmm. and their boas but they weren't raunchy they were like trying mm-hmm. to get that sexy without being raunchy which i think a lot oh. of the styles of heels there's different levels of where that goes, but they kept yeah. it a little bit more musical theater. Augie, gosh, okay, the whole time. And then it went into the, the can-can and that's, yeah. was you got to have a can-can and a Parisian cabaret. And that was what almost killed them. So that was a rehearsal yeah. where they're looking at me cross-eyed. Like, yeah. I go, we only have another couple minutes of it. And they're like, snake and stop. <laughs> like, and they were saying, we got to get our cardio ready for this, but they amped up with each rehearsal. So they were able to pull that off because we did a run through a tech and two shows they did it four and times in the same times. day. They did the show four times. And Amazing. luckily it's only an hour show, but it's compact yeah. with a lot of dance. So oh, that was man. really fun to see the can-can because honestly, I said out loud, you, you and Jill, only ones that heard me say at that rehearsal, oh dear God, because oh everything was falling apart. They people were in the wrong place. They were not kicking on the right count. It would just look like it, it had all fallen apart. And what happened is they got together on their own and rehearsed and so when they came right back before. friday i was like okay they made it happen because there's only so many corrections it was just more like their brain they have to was do it full and they just had to do it yeah. and then we leave there and then lisa sings this amazing version of champs elysees mm-hmm. she's just wailing it so that's basically went from the moulin rouge that area from pigalle over to the champs elysees to the lido and finished with the showgirl thing so it was a journey through paris that doesn't necessarily have to be in the same decade but you skipped one important number. Oh, what? Cool cat. Oh, yeah, that was part of the 20. Okay, tell about yeah. that. Oh, you tell about it. I mean, it was so much fun when they do the cool cat in town. And then the girls, everybody wants to be a cat. And then the girls, oh my gosh. So it was like this really, to me, it felt like um, kind of like that pinup beauty where, you know, they're like, you know, where it's not, it's that's like flirtatious, sensual, sexy, right? And it, that's a number that could actually get pretty, could go raunchy, right? Pretty easily. But the dolls were just super feminine and sensual and cheeky and just, uh, it was great. And so it was like kind of a, it was a cool cat, you know, you were sharing that the jazz, that jazz term, you know, the, to be a cool cat. 
in the jazz world. And then they took a, a just a little more literal, a little more literal um, abstract then- literal <laughs> approach to it and became a bit cat-like as well. And oh my gosh, it was just so darling and fun and just, just sexy. It was great. It was so fun. It. So fun. I loved it. Yeah. So you had some, somebody said they're cats, like, well, not literal. They were just, yeah, they're like, oh, I didn't know they just be Anyway. Because it's like, like, like very, through every song, they keep telling, oh, the cool cats, or you're the cat's meow, or the right. cat's pajamas, and all that. So, like, well, when they take their hats and actually drop them and watch them fly off the stage, yeah, like, we, took it, we took it there, and then they still went sexy. It's when cats are confusing. Like, you're very majestic and a big, ridiculous animal. Yeah, they are yeah. confusing. But yeah, it was just great. And, and you know, that, like I said, just the reception from the crowd afterwards, getting to hear them talk and gush and just so entertained and picking their favorite. A lot of people love that beatnik number. Of course, everybody loved the showgirl. And the can- I mean, they, it just was so well received across the board and, and uh, they loved it. It was just, it was so fun. It was so fun to be in the audience too. So I got even that part of the experience I did. We need to get it so you can too, Sherry. But like, you know, I got to sit in the audience and then feel and also kind of help so that when beating it, when they're doing their crazy dance moves, you know, I'm laughing. So then the crowd knows that they can laugh. Right. Yeah. But, um, and then the, I guess the cast knows not to look at me during tech because I am laughing and that's going to make <laughs> them laugh because I couldn't, I couldn't not laugh. It, it was the funniest. I just, every time I'm just like, like folded over laughing because <laughs> it was so <laughs> fun and funny. Uh, but, I can't um, do but, a shoot. I can't do a show without one little comedic part in there. It would not be oh, right. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, it was you all the way through. I mean, you know, the stylings the humor, the beauty, that showgirl pace, you know, it was, there was, it was Sherry all the way through, which was also really fun as, you know, as your friend to see that it was definitely, um, it was like a love letter from Sherry to Paris, honestly. And we all just got to read it and be a part of it. And yeah, Mm -hmm. it was, it was just wonderful. I can't wait to do it again. And now it's now that we'll have video and good photography because I tried to explain it and a lot of venues because there's I want to get a triple door and not but it just feels like there's the same shows that keep coming back and I'm like it's kind of like let's do something new and then I think it is it's always been my hard thing with Seattle when I had performed for years I tried to get a show going in my 20s when I moved back and I'm like people didn't know what it was and and so I would you don't have, I don't have enough costumes to say it's a show. I'm like, I could make a show if you give me a venue. Now we right. can say we have it because I, this is a weird story, but it was, I was trying to get in like the um, dancing fashion shows. Like you probably got to do in Vegas. Like we got yeah. to do a lot of those in Reno. They would hire the dancers to where kind of set the scene. Like if it's a formal one or if it, like we did an Erte show in, in Reno, but I would say we used to do this and I would go into like, used to be Frederick and Nelson Nordstrom's and tell them. And they'd look at me like, I have no idea what you're talking about. So I got, it was Janet Kinsman and Bullis with somebody else that was in Seattle. And I got in the boardroom and I said, I'd like to just explain this to you. We had on like kind of very conservative, like tie up blouses and skirts, but underneath we had the Greg Thompson leopard print booty shorts, <laughs> short shorts. And <laughs> like one does. Wait, yeah, you'd never know when a dance is going to break out in a boardroom. You never know. And so I, this is like a scene from Flashdance. This is how crazy I was in the 20s and wanted to see this happen. I push play and the song Footloose comes on. In our pumps, we get on the boardroom table and our secretary things. And we take off that and we were doing Footloose. This is like, I could have gotten so much trouble. 
but we did. We danced on the table, and then I got hired to put a show together for Frederick and Nelson. Because they go, oh, yeah, because it just feels like with without anything to show people, they just don't get it. Like why this could be a really good thing for Seattle. Right. Like your venue could have like this thing that people get dressed up a little bit. They might spend more money on your wine and yep. and get and maybe you know not just wear their jeans. Yeah. Um, but then also like the what I'm working on is at the Gorge. There's a winery and the the vineyards look kind of like you're in a um, French countryside. Mm-hmm. And so there's wine tasting and like have your charcuterie board, watch the sunset. Mm-hmm. And then there's a covered stage the issue now is to how much the sound and lights will cost to bring in because it's a beautiful stage. It's covered with the backdrop of the gorge. It's kind of like a mini grand Canyon, Oh yeah. but also we can project, but like, that's something I'm like trying to work out because then like, look, we can come here and each venue will have a different feel as opposed to like, just going, I guess just don't want to go into the regular theaters. Yeah. Yeah. And it was intimate in that place too, because like a lot of the, the, the high school theaters, like 400, 450 capacity, we had 150 and it felt full and it felt yep. intimate. Yep. And that's the feel too. It feels more like a cabaret than a, you know, a stadium. And the dancers are right there, right? Like, you know, as we shared the opening number, they are literally coming through the same door that the audience walks through to come in. And that's how they're starting. They're coming, you know, onto, on the stage, which is the floor that, that the audience is sitting on the part of the audience is sitting on. And then there's, you know, another stage that's what three feet up smaller stage. So like for the big dance numbers, they're down on the same level as the, you know, as the audience. And just there's that, that connection that you can't get in a, a 400 seat high school auditorium. You just can't. Yeah. And it made it, you know, again, even more special. Yeah. I might sneeze. I have okay. what I can feel like starting. Maybe I'll have Augie can bark and, and cover that up because now he's being quiet, but no, he's quiet. And we had a girl that we don't know if her nose is broken, but we had a mishap oh. with, there's a dive in this, in the can-can in the stage. Like I remember I was telling them, I dove off a six, I think it was like eight feet platform. It was my favorite thing in the show. But they, I was like, who would anyone want to do this? And they, no one said yes. Like anyone do <laughs> this? No, I thought everybody's like, yeah, I want to dive. So we got too convinced, but then we hadn't had time to run it because there was never enough time. And so we yeah. tried it once when we had a little bit of time in the theater a few weeks ago. So when we did it, there was that reflex to protect yourself and so to set of hands out elbows went out dancer down holding her nose and like we're waiting if it's me blood and black eye and she was seeing i think she's seeing star she's laying down and i'm like we could just dance over her and just <laughs> give her the fans but it was kind of like you know if this show is so hard if somebody gets injured i know oh let's talk about understudies because we had two understudies because yeah. it really was a good turnout for the audition yeah and so i thought it would be really great to have that because it's a learning opportunity know. and this show hopefully is going to do more than one show and not everybody's going to be able to do the next show. And if someone gets hurt, well, even a few weeks in, we had two people test positive for COVID and they didn't get sick, but they had to quarantine. Mm-hmm. So we zoomed them in and then we had our understudies that could go like Kate went in for the guys and the girls, like she was yeah. partnering. So you, you weren't missing bodies. So the part of the understudy, as you know, from doing it, is so important. You have to know that knowing you may never get on stage. So even at the show, Robin in the beatnik thing, I'm like, was cracking me. I'm like, come downstage. We need to like feature you. And oh, then Annie was, so was good. out because of hurting her foot. Like, well, they still should be part. So I go, yeah. she can hobble on with her boot and at least be part of the cast. Cause she was both of them were part of it. So even if they just came out for that one number yep. and then Kate went into the show with like only two weeks, yeah. two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And so like yeah. she knew everybody's parts, but she didn't have a specific part. So 
you know, that okay. was the, so talk about what it was like for you being an understudy because you've been a swing and you've been understudy different, different capacity. Um, well, I was mainly a swing. So I was, uh, I, you know, I had a cover. I mean, maybe I would be an understudy for certain like featured, you know, duets and stuff, but really I was a swing where, you know, I was responsible for half the cast's roles. Um, <laughs> but going back before we go into that, I do want to <clears throat> say again, yes, that Kate and Robin were so good in rehearsals because when people were out, you know, because they tested positive or whatever they were out for, you know, it really helped the rest of the cast again with our ambitious rehearsal schedule to have a body there and not be like, okay, just remember so-and-so's there. You got to leave a space for so-and-so. Like you had that person filling. It was really, it was really instrumental, I feel, in keeping the uh, integrity of those rehearsals for the dancers that were there. So that was great. And then, um, yes, Kate went in, did a really good job. And uh, Robin was incredible as well, because she kind of took on a little bit of a, like a stagehand role or like a, like a, I don't even know what else to call her, but she was really helping out if, you know, some, a set piece or not a piece, like a prop. Like the chairs. <laughs> yeah. Like making sure things went and were where they needed to be. And, uh, you know, nobody asked her to do that. She said, Hey, I have, I can do this. Like she was just all in and that attitude is just incredible. Right. Because, you know, she's, she's literally in one number. She, she learned the whole show. She helped in rehearsal. And then she's a part of the show because she's making sure that, you know, the, she's helping the show shine, you know, yeah. and it was just, I just tip my hat to them because it, it isn't always easy being the swing or the understudy because you don't really get to rehearse, you know, for, um, I think of Will Rogers Follies in particular, you know, uh, there are three of us swings, two girls and a guy. And, you know, we didn't, we had to rehearse off stage because the importance was to have the people who are going to be on stage be on stage for rehearsals so you know we we rarely went on the stage itself sometimes it'd be like oh let's let the swings try it you know it was like oh yay but you know rarely and then uh and then of course you know you when somebody did go out you were expected to look like you've been doing the show the entire time so it is challenging being a swing and um and again on that show the I don't know my castmates were made out of iron or something because nobody ever went out like our, they very rarely went out seriously on a, a 10-month tour and so when we finally sat down in Atlantic City for um whatever we were there a month two months whatever it was uh they would swing the swings in and give the dancers an opportunity to go sit in the audience and watch the show because otherwise mm. we swings were like I was like I I cannot crochet another blanket I cannot cross <laughs> another Santa Claus I cannot do another game of Yahtzee like all the things I was doing uh knitting you know I learned how to do a lot of stuff but, um, but, you know, it isn't always easy to be that understudy or that swing because, um, you know, the focus isn't on you until you have to go in and you're on your, you know, the focus is totally on you. So uh, I totally took my hat to those two. They did a really, really good job and they were willing to swing into boy and girl roles. It didn't really matter. They were going to make it happen. Oh, I have so, an uh, interview with Aaron Gordon coming up and it's only on the Patreon, but hopefully we'll get out there to the regular public, but he was um, understudy in Hamilton. Mm. in the Chicago, which was the second cast after Broadway. Mm. But like, I want to see him like, well, I might not be in it, but That's you can right. still see the show. But yeah, to because he, yeah, like you, when you get used to your patterns in the cast, but those people don't get to do that. Right. And you just have to be ready like to go. And so it was really interesting to hear his take on that too, because that's such a physical show. Like and yeah. Will Rogers too, the precision of Will Rogers. Like if you're yeah. not in your spot you, on your mark. Yeah. Which that's why you're so here. good at Pinky here, cleaning pinky it here. yeah <laughs> well you know with the the little knock to the nose that was when we first got to to the site to the stage right so we were about to do a run through attack in two shows 
and we there was an you know an elbow caught to the nose where it was like okay if she can't do this wow like that changes yeah. a lot you know yeah there wouldn't have been a fan number there wouldn't right. yeah because there's no way to, to understudy swing that one no because other people are other numbers um I would like to name the cast because I don't know if the bluebells care, but I hope that people in the show will listen to this. So we, cause we were raving about them. Yeah. How about if you name names and I'll fill in gaps of who was in this wonderful cast? Oh, um, I don't know their last names though. Okay. I'll, I'll do it. And then you help me. Jillian Monty. Yes. Erica maybe. Jacobson, Tyler yes. Duncan, UJ okay. Mangoon, Cindy Heidelberg, Christina Engel, Callan Moore, Annie St. Marie. Robin Anderson, Kate Kingery, April Kimmel. I had forgot. I was doing this with my fingers, but I'm actually not counting. I should have started mine. <laughs> I don't, did I miss anybody? Cause I was like, who was in, don't tell mom who was in. I think I got everybody. And if I didn't, I'm so sorry. And then we had Lisa Mandelkorn as our singer and Dwight. I have to look up his last name, our accordion player. Cause I had said, I would love to have an accordion player and put a post out on Facebook. People knew of somebody, but nothing came through. Then it came up again. I'm in the middle of a massage going, I got to get an accordion player. I go check my email and Dwight, who is accompanying Lisa out of the blue, just said, just if you need an accordion player, I play. And these are the songs I play. I'm like, these are the songs I wanted. (laughs) So it was just magical because like all my music I've been listening to for the last three years, 90% of it probably has the accordion in it. And so like to have that live, there's just pieces that came together. Like and he was I need a so good. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He only picked that up. Do you know he only picked that up? I think he said he's been playing for three years and he had to learn it for a show at the fifth Ave. So he's he really? yeah. So he had to switch from piano to accordion within that show. But um, I'm like, you know, obviously did, you know, playing the piano help? Because of course one side is the piano side. And he's like, Yeah, my right hand was great, but the left hand had to like figure out because of the buttons, I don't know, yeah. experience, but they had the buttons on the other side. And he was like, it was like my left hand had to learn how to work, you know, because, you know, there's used to the piano fingers, but yeah, I mean, he was just so good. And he's a really nice guy. He was a really nice guy. It was oh. fun to have him be a part of the show. That's awesome. And then like they did tech, but like, I'm not much help because we're trying to run tech. I'm like, you guys go back in that tiny dressing room. Yeah. Here's a show order because my nightmares before was like, and they were nervous about the quick changes. And sure. so like the tech, we might find out people can't get dressed fast enough yep. or, and they nailed it. Like I tried to put enough room, but we kept saying, this is like a cruise ship show yep. that you turn around your back on. And it's not like in Jubilee or hello, Hollywood, where you've got dressers, Axe. you drop your stuff and they put Dresser. on and they all did it. But sometimes like, I don't, there's nobody back there saying you're on next with barely any running the show in order until the very, very end. So every time I'd see them in the, in the little side ready, I'm like, Whew. <laughs> but yeah, there's a professionalism of not just learning the choreography, but yeah. we talked about like how you are backstage. If you have a freak out moment and there's no wall, there, it's just a curtain. Like people can hear you. Plus it affects everybody. Cause I yeah. was telling them the story on the cruise ship where new person can't hook her G string and that she's doing this frantic thing where it makes it worse, where she's just rubbing again. And then I just went over and went, <laughs> but it's like, when you get into panic mode, yeah. it affects everybody. And that space was so tight. So there's so many oh, things as far was- so tight. They were in a triangle. When I look back there, I'm like, wait, there are eight of you in this. I don't understand. What's happening? Yeah. And they set it up. I go, you guys can set this up. And we talked about costume lasagna. I named it that because like, oh, that actually is good. Cause you would put your last thing. You're on the bottom, your first thing at the top. 
and the pieces that you need to put on to make sure you don't forget, or like, you know, you might want to start with your panties. So you don't go out without those, yeah. um, your lacy britches, but yeah, like the layering it. Cause you have this much space. So yeah. there is that professionalism. Like I remember seeing in the shows that people did not know how to do that mm-hmm. and people either help them or they get irritated with them. So like, if any of these people go do a professional show, you've got an advantage of like backstage etiquette and helping each other. And like the fact that they got together and rehearsed and helped each yes. other out. Cause my vision of that is when I would teach teenagers is they would rehearse and change everything or argue. No, it was on this count. Yeah. Was I go, there's, there's a whole thing of how you work cohesively. And I think that was what was so beautiful of this cast coming together and helping each other out and supporting each other. And, and in this day and age, you know, we do have the benefit of video and Facebook, right? So it's like, and, and you did a really good job of making sure we would video all the numbers in our rehearsals, post them in that group. You know, we post immediately. And so like, you know, we, there were references too. So it kind of, I feel maybe helped minimize some of what you're talking about. Cause it is easier. It doesn't have to be teenagers. Like it is easy to be like, no, I specifically remember it's on count five because I was tying my shoe and I looked up right when I heard her say that. And I was like, oh yeah. I'm like, you know, you could go into adults can go crazy. About oh, I see. Right? Yeah. Um, well, then I even posted pictures of the style, like for Beatnik, I just posted yeah. like some costume things and showgirl. I showed video of the Lido, I think the Moulin Rouge and just showed both the can-cans and why they're different. So I go, it's important to me that you understand context because yeah. I think as a dancer, like, well, just tell me what to do. I'm like, yeah. no, it's really important that you understand the essence of a showgirl, that you understand who Josephine Baker is, that you understand the style of the twenties, because I know like sometimes, you know, we can say we're in the twenties and we're doing something from the eighties, a reference that wasn't around yet or yeah. But I think that they took that to heart because it showed up because we didn't have a lot of time to go over like, here's the story. Here's like, here's some pre stuff before next week. Here's what you're going to look forward to when you're mm-hmm. doing this next. But what is a beat house in, yeah. in Paris in the 60s? Why did they do it? I didn't go into too much. Not how much people dove into it. But for me, it was fascinating to learn about the Apache. And I'm going to redo this one because Miss Get told me this when I asked her what her name meant. Because people see posters everywhere of Miss Get, who was famous in the 20s. Her and Josephine, I guess, shared billing and neither one liked like who was above them. And it kind of, mm. I think, rotated. But I can't remember her, her name before that, but she was known. They would go into these tents outside and her partner had her rolled up in a carpet, would unroll her and she would roll out and they would do the Apache. And I think she did other things, too. I think she did showgirl things, but that's wow. how she started. And so the tent was called the Tin Get. And so she got nicknamed Miss Tin Get. Oh, and so I'm like, okay. So then I did more. She made Mr. Get got me excited to learn more about the Apache and why, why is it so violent? And mm-hmm. is that okay to recreate that? And then right. to kind of, we can make it more contemporary where the woman is not being thrown across the room by her hair. Yeah. Um, she gets to push the man down and light her cigarette on the bottom of his shoe. Yeah. It was great, man. <laughs> and those two really sold it really. Yeah. Cool. That Do was again, those fun surprises. Do you feel then that you're doing the podcast over the past couple of years really helped you? Is that part of the change that you're talking about from the first, you know, the first mm-hmm. thought of the show to now where you, you just got more history from all the wonderful, beautiful people you've been interviewing over the past couple of years to help? Because you it really was more than just a show, right? Like we're trying to teach, you're trying to teach, you're trying yeah. to teach them, right? And so it's not just like, hey, this, now you're going to do a showgirl number, but it's like, this is the essence. This is what you're doing. Like, this is why we're doing it. This is the essence of it. And, you know, to your point, to these different styles and, and the history, um, you feel like that really came from, from people who you spoke to in the podcast. Absolutely. Cause yeah. the first thing started going to the reunion in Paris in 2019 and seeing mm-hmm. the shows and being so grateful they exist because a few years before that I went to Europe mainly because I wanted to see the Moulin Rouge and 
I knew the Lido a little bit. I barely knew anything about the Lido, even though that's a Bluebell show. So when I went the first time, I couldn't find the Lido because I was walking around. I only had two days in Paris. I saw the Moulin Rouge and I'm like emotional that there's still, it's still around. And then finding out there was more. Mm-hmm. So then to go back and do the reunion and really connect with that part of my own story of why this mattered, that I was a, a showgirl in the most beautiful sense of what a showgirl is mm-hmm. and Miss Bluebell's legacy of why she matters. Then we were saying we need these shows in Seattle. And then it was just like, I feel like a lot of this has just been a download. Like this is what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And it started to come together. And I know when I do mostly everything's collaborative, like all of the times from the studio, I do one or two pieces, yep. except for the comedy show, which is almost all mine, which is totally different le- As level it of pressure. Should be. As <laughs> it's it like, should oh, be. all the ridiculous numbers were mine. <laughs> but it, it is like, I think a, a normal thing is like, can my group perform? So I had people saying, can my group perform in this? And I had to say, it's yes. actually not this. This is, this cast is the whole thing. Mm-hmm. The 10 dancers are everything. And the singer is everything that weaves together, but it's not like, here's a piece and here's a piece. I really wanted it to have a reason, like why these parts of Paris, the glamour, the history, the little bit of aloof and the quirkiness and the, the artists that in the twenties were making some of the best things ever. Yeah. So I think, I mean, I offended a few people and it's funny because Brittany Mains gave me that song missed me. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I love this song. It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit in the shot. I don't know where it would go. And there's nothing French about it. But then when I learned about the Aposh, I'm like, oh, I have to use this there song. Is. This is where it goes. So it, it didn't, it didn't want anything to feel like, why is this here? Yeah. And it did feel very, I felt very protected. Like this is my baby where normally I will piece, every, give everything away. And like, I like yeah. collaborative. That's usually how I work. This was like, no, thank you. Yeah, that's I right. got it. That's right. <laughs> and it was, it felt really good to do that. Cause I think that's also some of my growth of like, if this matters to you, hold it precious. Don't yeah. give it away and don't apologize for saying no. Yeah. yeah. Some people like, I want, I want an excuse to perform. I'm like, awesome. There's more shows. Not this yeah. one. Right. <laughs> no, I mean, you had, a, that was part of having the clear vision that you have, right? Because um, I'm going to do air quotes, but when you have a clear vision, it makes it air quote easy to say no to things that wouldn't fit. Right. So if you weren't so solid in, in the journey you wanted to take the audience, maybe some of that, what you would have been like, Oh yeah. Okay. But no, you had, you knew what you wanted to do. And even though it evolved over the past couple of years, um, it's still, you had this vision and you knew what it was and you knew how you wanted to develop it. And it didn't make sense to have a Britney Spears number in it. It just didn't. So weird. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> well, she might've so, gone to Paris one time. So it counts. You may have, um, but yeah, I mean, that's the beauty of it. It's that uh, that's I thought also what I think makes it so unique because there there are a lot of shows that are collaborative and have you know a different um, um, which is great to have a mix mismatch of genres, you know, dance genres and stuff. I and mean, that's fun. That's great. But this isn't that. Like this is something mm-hmm. very very different and something that you know Seattle just doesn't have until yeah. now. Woo-hoo. So we're gonna wrap it up, Miss Anne. Is there anything else like? Because I know that you, your high made me even higher. Oh my gosh, like, I was bonkers. I will say this, like, you know, I don't have kids, right? So I, and it's a good thing because this is what I learned. <laughs> I'm out in the audience. I'm like, I couldn't even not move my body to help dances happen. Like I'm like, like twitching, like trying to get my, I'm like, what am I doing? This is, and I was so, I had like the, I was so, I had the sweat. I had like a sweat stash happening and my palms are sweaty. That first show when there's an audience, cause I was so excited for the cast and I was nervous for them. Cause I'm like, I hope they're not nervous. I'm like trying to take the nervousness from them. So it's not them. And it was, I was exhausted. I was exhausted. I was exhausted. 
And I'm like, that's ridiculous. Cause they did the show four times. And I just laughed when I was supposed to and snapped when I was supposed to. And I'm the one who's like, I need a nap. So um, I was on an absolute high. I was on a high. It was just, it was just such fun and the energy and, you know, just all the stuff. It's just all the stuff that brought me back to um, how much I loved it. And so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I will continue to be a part of it in any way you'll let me to let me be because I just, it was just, it was just a blast. It was just a blast. When I think that's what the podcast is, when I talk to people that they are even more grateful for their career, because something like they start talking about it. And then after like, that was so much fun. I, I, I remember now why this was so special because I think we move into like momhood or careers or whatever. And we kind of like, oh yeah, that was just a chapter. And then when you revisit it and go, that was a really important. And one, one girl, because we were talking about show dreams, even at the (laughs) <laughs> so you guys are probably going to weird dreams about the show, which I think some people said they had, mm-hmm. but somebody I interviewed, I can, I'm sad if I don't get her name. So I won't even give a name um, that we dream in technicolor in our twenties or we dream about our twenties in technicolor, because that's when I think our brain is forming and mm-hmm. like some things are more fuzzy, but when we think of our, and that's when most of us were in our career yeah. and then our shows were technicolor. There's so much color and texture yes. in what we wore. So I think when people reconnect, you go, that was kind of like in Wizard of Oz when it's black and white. And then you land in Oz with all the sparkles and the color. Yeah. Like, well, of course this stands out. Right. Of course, this was a nice variation of my life that that could have been real fun. But this this is the moment we land in Oz and we get to do those shows. That's so cheesy. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> that's my picture of it. It's just like, oh yeah, that's why some of those dreams are so wacky and weird because it really was amp- amplified our energy yeah. all the attention it took and we didn't like our social life was in a very different place when we did those yeah. shows. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I definitely can recall from 18 to 29, that was my dance career. I can recall those years easier than my thirties. Like my, th- everything that like later is just a mashup. I'm like, I don't know what I was doing, what year? I don't know, but I can tell you from <laughs> each year where I was from 18 to 29, exactly. Probably how I felt what I was you know, wearing. Like I can, I, it is so vivid. And, you know, the, these years are just like, I, I, I don't know what happened. <laughs> what did I have for lunch yesterday? I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's all the but fuzzy yeah. stuff. Yeah, definitely. Do you have any, any last thoughts or questions as we say goodbye for uh, only a few minutes? I don't, I don't think so. I, it was just, you know, incredibly meaningful to me. And I just was so proud of you and just what the dancers, you know, what they did. And I, I just, am so excited Sherry, because, um, Cause you, you, you are the most creative person I know. And I think you have about 150 shows in your head, different shows um, that you could put out easily. But, um, but I'm just so proud of you because uh, mm-hmm. even just the stick with itness, you know, with COVID and stuff and not losing, not losing steam, but gaining steam, you know, I'm just, it's just, isn't, there's nothing better than watching your friend go and crush something and wow, did you crush this? So thank Aww. you so much. Cause it was really exciting. I can't wait to see it again. We're going to have a video watching party. Yep. Get every cast together. Cause I think the way they bond are like, well, we have to do more. You yeah. can't just have one show. And you had asked me something at the beginning and I want to answer it now. Like what it was like to see it come to fruition. Yeah. yeah. Because I had to run sound. It was just on my iPad, but nobody else knew the show. And so you saw it from the front. I saw it from this weird angle side and behind. Cause with the ones that were on the stage, I could see side. I didn't even hide that I was screaming and clapping. I had a cigarette for beatnik and I was snapping along. Cause I'm like, 
I don't want to be just like, I was still felt very part of it. Yeah. So I had a really weird perch up there, but then I could see from behind when they were on the dance floor, like when they would circle around with the umbrellas, I would catch their eye. I remember Cindy looking up. Mm -hmm. I'm like, so I didn't feel like I was just looking at from the back. I would love to see it from the front, but watching the audience watch them. I had moments where I was just like crying out of joy because this has been in my head. And when you kind of picture it, I kind of forgot what century ballroom looked like over two years and to go, Oh, this is what I saw, but it's bigger and fuller because of the love and the energy that was in that room. Yeah. It wasn't just the show. It was like, Oh, entertain not just entertainment but this matters for the experience and it mattered to those dancers to see all the love coming to them mm-hmm. their friends and family that came out wearing masks because they had to show proof of vaccination be masked to get in that theater mm-hmm. people willing to do that and you know come up on cap hill as we know it's like sketchy yep. <laughs> at night sometimes <laughs> not ideal yeah yeah and to see them out with their showgirl costumes which normally i'd be like no you can't get your costumes out there but because it was all one room and there's no dressing room there's all these photos of them and their showgirls with their friends and family. And just, I think it, the vision stayed true mm-hmm. to see it come to pass, but have that extra layer of watching the audience see it. Yeah, that's cool. And see you in the back. I could see you moving and I could see Jill. <laughs> and I could see my mom and I could see other dancers yeah. from my studio come. So it just felt like the connection we need around the arts. Yeah. We have something to come around together and like, just feel good for an hour. And then, yeah pack it all up and take 12 hours to unpack the costume is going to be a disaster which I'm like, that's okay. gonna be days. it's gonna take you days but i have to say i'm leaving in six days for paris we're seeing oh. the lido we're seeing crazy horse we're seeing royal palace moulin rouge we're hoping too. like there's i've heard there if the dancers in the lido if they go to the moulin rouge we can go with them as a comp so oh, we're trying to work that angle but just to be in Paris and go, we're going to take that double-decker bus and go, there's yes. a Lido, there's a Moulin, there's a Paris Opera, there's the West Bank. That's where all these things we did in the show are in real life. And so it's kind yeah. of a wonderful um, little cherry on top. As after a night in Paris, I'll get to have 12 nights in Paris. 12 nights in Paris. <laughs> That's amazing. And thank you for doing this because I just kind of last minute thought of this because I thought I feel like. I've talked about it like in almost every interview lately because I'm obsessed because yeah. people will talk about shows like I'm doing a show. Yeah. I have a show girl. I have some feathers. So it was, <laughs> it was really felt important to like process it with someone who was there and who gets it. Like when I was married, like Kirk would like give me about five minutes and he's like, okay, you know, <laughs> okay, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I'm but done. Yeah, but let me tell you about this number and this sequin yeah. and this feather. So yeah, it was really good to, <laughs> to, to like, what do I do with this abundance of gratitude and like, um, and, um, joy. Yeah. So it was fun to share it with you. Thank you for sharing and, so then, and for including me today and, you know, all the other days that you do. And I hope that those listeners of your podcast, especially all the former bluebells or current bluebells, they, um, I hope they, I hope they know that what you're doing out here and you're continuing that bluebell spirit. And uh, I hope they enjoy that. And maybe one day they can come over and catch your show. Yeah. And maybe more people will do this because we're like the understanding of preserving it. It's like, oh, that's what this is too. Yeah. Until the next one. So we're going to have professional photos and video to share when this comes out. So people can catch the edited video. Awesome. Just a little taste of it. And they'll go through like a a, a motors, a jet through Paris. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. Look real quick. There it is. Okay. (laughs) Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Love you. Bye. Bye. What?